corner in our worship time, in our culture, we have trees now. And how many of you have a fake tree in your house? Anyone have a fake tree? How many of you have real trees in your house? The competition is on. We have a tradition. We've had the same tree, the same fake tree for 12, 15 years in our house. And the children, our children would think, what? What happened to the tree if we brought a live tree into the house? Our favorite tree. We know how to put this tree together. No, that's, those are the F branches. We need the H branches right here at the bottom level. So, and you know what's one thing that I, I love about this season is it's, it's something that our culture is giving us. This is about Jesus, whether they're aware of it or not, fully understanding what that means. We're, they're playing songs in malls and stores. They're decorating trees. We had the tree lighting in Dedham the other, the other night. They're not fully getting what that means, but they had the, the uh, um, one traditional Christmas carol being played in the background. And so I'm just saying, yes, Jesus, this is all about you. Thank you for the season where we can focus on you and make it alive. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about times where people experienced angelic visitations, where angels came and they said, don't be afraid. God is with you. And this is all about Jesus, about God becoming a human. See, everything, isn't that interesting? In our culture and everything in our world, it's becoming less and less human, less and less real, more and more mechanical. But God is going the exact opposite direction. He's, he is in, being incarnate, being humble, revealing himself more and more. And that's there's power that's being manifested in, in weakness. And there's something amazing happening in, in him manifesting his presence. We so much need to know that God is with us. There's so many different issues in your life. You don't realize the fears that you have. The answer is you're not alone. I'm with you. I'm walking through this. I have, everything's not going to be perfect. But I am walking with you in this situation. That is what our, our God is saying. And fear shows up in all kinds of places, doesn't it? Our world is just completely permeated by fear. You're afraid of the future. You're afraid of the past. You're afraid of today. You're afraid of what you have, and you're afraid of not getting what you want to have or afraid of losing what you do have. We have fears about our health, our finances. Our, our world is just surrounded by this fear of losing control, not being able to figure all this out. But God is saying to us, I understand all that. He didn't say, bad, you have fears. He said, don't be afraid, and I am with you. As I'm, I'm talking today and as we're having services over the next couple of weeks, what we want, yes, there's, there's a fair amount of repetition, isn't there? I remember uh, we have all these different ways of going through when our children were growing up, especially of, of 
having a calendar that progressed through the, the 25 days before Christmas of, of telling stories at night of all these different traditions that we walked through. And by the time we got to Christmas, we had repeated the Advent story a dozen times or more. So you've been through this in your life, all right? You, you basically know, many of you know the story. What we want is a revelation of this. It's not just make this season special again so I can have the feelings that I had when I was a child or I had the feelings I had when I was with my extended family, when I had the feelings that I had when this special event. We're asking for a revelation so that the reality of the word would be true in us, that we, that we would go farther up and deeper in, that we would be walking in a revelation of, of the presence of God. Does that sound desirable? A revelation of the presence of God? That's where we, that's where we want to be. So turn with me, Luke chapter 1, or you can look at the screen behind me, and I'm going to read a couple of familiar passages as the rumbling herd goes overhead. In the 26th verse, actually, I'm just going to read this, this passage. I'm not going to go on to the Magnificat just uh, right now. But in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will, to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren in her sixth month, and she, she'll have a child in her old age, She who is barren is in her six months. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. So I'm going to just pray a moment. Lord, thank you for this amazing truth, this, this story that is beyond our understanding. Open up our eyes. We do ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation during this season, Lord. Give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Give us insight that allows us to move beyond our circumstances and to move and walk in and trust your word in greater ways, Jesus. Amen. So what what I'm going to do is talk about Mary. I'm going to dive into this specific story And then we're going to talk about how this relates to us. And all of the promises that happen in her life, everything this angel says to her is what God is saying to us. So who's Mary? She's a virgin. 
Jesus is God because he has no human father. He picked a pure young woman in order to reveal himself. Betrothed, she's betrothed. So it's engaged, but more serious, because in that time and in that culture, it was a family contract. So they were, there was no question what their future was going to be. It wasn't something that, uh, although I don't think any of us would say, oh, we liked failed engagements. I'm you know, entering into a marriage engagement in any kind of a casual way. This is even more serious than that. And she was young. Some, uh, there's a range of estimations of her age. She was a teenager. Most people would say 99%. She was in her teens. Many people think that she was but 15 years of age is a reasonable age for uh, uh, predicting or projecting how she, old she was when this angel came to her at this point in time. Now, for us, this seems a little bit strange. If I went across this room and said, let's pick the 15-year-old, we only have one 15-year-old girl in this room, and I'm not going to call that her name. But you can imagine, as you're looking over a, a, a crowd like this, we're going, that is really young. Now, why? Why would this even be relevant? And, uh, you know, we're in, a, we're in a day where we have a lot of voices, we have a lot of experiences of, of inappropriate behavior. Why in the world would, we, would God look at someone this, this young? Well, it was normal in that culture. People had a shorter lifespan. People had more responsibility at a younger age. There was less genetically engineered food. There was a smaller hole in the ozone layer. There was often a big difference between the ages of men and women when they married at this time. And her age actually emphasizes the fact that this was an arranged, this was an arranged marriage. Now, people freak out about this in modern culture. We lived in Indonesia for 10 years, and we saw this happen. And uh, familiar with Indian culture. And there, yes, there are inappropriate things that happen. There are things that shouldn't happen. But the majority of these arranged marriages actually, by far and large, the majority come from loving parents that adore their children and are looking for the absolute best situation for them. And I, I had a friend, uh, a young man, who's, who had picked out a girlfriend. He went to his parents and said, I want to marry this girl. And they say, no, you're not marrying her. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of interacting with, this guy's 23, about 24 at this time. And he comes back to me, my parents rejected the girl that I picked. And the next week he came back and he said, oh, oh, it's, everything's okay. They found a wife for me. And she's in this specific village, and they know her parents, they know her extended family, everything's great. I'm going to meet her in two weeks, it's all cool. <laughs> so, it's phenomenal. Mary's, Mary's not bitter at this season of her life, is she? Some, a loving father has worked out all these details, 
And I, I just have to tell you, as you're, some of you, uh, I, there's occasionally someone said, you know, I just want someone to work all this out for me. This is too confusing. Is there someone that I can trust that can just put this in place and move on? I'm not taking volunteers this morning. But um, uh, I just want you to know there, there's something about the loving Father that's seen in this, even in this situation in her life. And uh, Mary is human. This is a young woman, a young, say, for, for our purposes today, we're thinking about a 15-year-old girl. What's she thinking right now? She's afraid about a lot of things. She's, she is not high in the cultural totem pole of value in society. And she's looking for significance. Is my life really going to mean anything? Here I am. So, the angel's not saying, don't be afraid for no reason. She has fears. Now, why, Mary? Why, you know, why would God choose this person? If you were God, who would you pick? You're looking for the most safe situation, the most confident situation. We, you know, we do not want this deal to go wrong. So I'm, I'm looking for someone. It's, you know, the, yeah, they're, they're a virgin, but there's the oldest virgin we can find anywhere. <laughs> you know, we're, we're looking for someone that's got some, they can stand against social strangeness, you know, this, this accusation that's going to come against them. They're solid. But what was God attracted to? He was attracted to someone that was submitted to his will. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. That's what he was looking for. He was attracted to a heart of worship. In the 46th verse, she's the, it's called the Magnificat. It's her prayer. It's this, it's this prophecy that erupts out of her when she goes into her cousin's house. My soul praises the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He was looking for a worshiper. And he was attracted, I believe God was attracted to her humility. And again, she's, she's prophesying right now. The Holy Spirit is on her. Anybody ever had the Holy Spirit overshadow them? It's Mary. The Spirit of God's on that girl. She's anointed. She's prophesying right now. He took notice of his lowly servant girl. For the mighty one is holy. He's done great things for me. And this is, this is just days old, this the whole situation. She gets this prophesy, prophecy. She goes immediately over to her cousin's house, who's a much older woman, this is brand new. God has been so good to me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. In the 52nd verse, he's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. He's attracted to this young woman. There's a humility there's a worshipful heart. And then something 
So what's the story again? Something crazy happens to her. A massive, powerful, invisible being appears. Angels are in the spirit realm. Now, there's all kinds of things that uh, they're, you know, we want to pay too much attention, but we need to be aware. Just like understanding that the demonic is real, you need to know that the angelic forces are even more powerful. In certain, uh, in one section of, of Revelation, it talks about Satan taking a third of the angels of heaven. That means there's twice as many angels as there are any kind of demonic forces. And they are empowered by the will of God and the presence of God. So we got the good guys on our side, and they are massively buff beings. And uh, so imagine, so she is out somewhere, I think. I'm, I'm not imagining she's in the house with anybody else. She, Mary's out somewhere, and the curtain between the, or the spirit realm and the natural realm is pulled back, and this being steps through and starts talking to her. Now, what's the first thing you want to hear? Don't be afraid. Don't freak out right now. You know, you don't want you going, Ah! Mama! Don't be afraid. This is good. I've got something to tell you. So what does he say? Now, this, again, this Gabriel guy, he's appeared back uh, in the story with Zechariah. Gabriel was the guy who was in the story about Daniel. And there's a whole description of this war that happened while Daniel was on a 21-day fast. Gabriel was in the middle of all of that stuff. And he's, communi- he's a, the one who is sent from the presence of God. He's, he lives in the presence of God, stands before the face of God powerful being. And he appears to her and says, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have found favor with God. So I want to talk about three things about Mary. She's found favor, God is with her, and she's been told not to be afraid. So she's favored. She's the chosen one. This is the vessel that God has chosen to use. She's special, unique, one of a kind. For all time, she is remembered to this very moment. God is with her. He's overshadowing her. This overshadowing, the Holy Spirit overshadowing, is just like Genesis chapter 1. The Holy Spirit of God hovering over the waters. There's this powerful creative force with God hovering in his presence. God is with her. He's overshadowing her. And he tells her, you're going to go through something beyond your imagination. But I'm going to be with you. So again, Pretty intense stuff he rolls out here. You're going to have a very unusual baby in a very unusual way. 
but I'm going to be with you. God is calling different ones of you to very unusual things that are going to threaten every fear in your body. And he says, I'm going to be with you. I have special purposes for you. He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. The angel replied to Mary's question, how can this happen? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. This is what's going to happen to you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The baby will be born, will be holy, and will be called the Son of God. So how does this apply to us? 81 times in the Bible, we're told by God, by the angels, by prophets, don't be afraid. So, number one, just because you have fear, welcome. You're human. All right? And you have reason to be afraid. Just turn on your news feed. Watch the television. Listen to the radio. The world's pretty crazy. There's a lot going on. It's pretty chaotic. Let's just start with nuclear war, you know? What could possibly go wrong? Um, you know, parents have fears. I um, <laughs> remember a time we went into, I, I haven't gotten a chance to do this a lot, but I get to talk about my children while they're sitting here while I'm preaching every once in a while. So we were going into this, this restaurant with a big bunch of people, in, and uh, one of us had a hold of Joshua's hand. He's like three years old. And uh, the way that this, it's, it's called uh, Central Market it's in, in Austin, Texas, a big open restaurant on one side, right connected to a grocery store. And there's a door. It's kind of a weird situation right between these two buildings. And we, they're, they're connected inside. And what happened was we walked in with a big crowd of people, and for some reason Joshua went into the other door, into the grocery store. And about 10 seconds later, we all look around, and Susan and I are like, where is he? Where is he? And his parents, you know what you spend your life doing? One, two, three, four. How many and parents with a bunch of kids, what do you do your whole life? You're, you're counting constantly. Are they all here? Do we have them? One, two, three. One, two, three. And there are hundreds of people walking constantly in this place. And uh, we're, Clark, were you there? Clark may have been around. And we're freaking out. Why? Because the world is a crazy place. And we are, you, will you go down this really quick list in your life of all the things that can go wrong? When, you have, when you've lost your child, and it was like five minutes we didn't know where he was. Running in the grocery store, running in ways. He was having an awesome time. I think he knew right where the candy aisle was. 
this place, I usually occasionally go over there and like, you can have, you know, X number of jelly beans or gummy bears. And so he, he knew, we went in that door, he knew right where he was going. Like, I'm going for the gummy bears. But we're freaking out. It's normal to have fear. We never found him again. Somebody presented this other child to us. We said, that's good, good. No, I, I, I think we got the right one. All right. So I think it was a, an employee of, like, kind of walks back into the cafeteria with his little child. and we're, <laughs> He was happy as a clam. It's just great. No problem. But we, what are your fears? Will my life ever change? Am I always going to be alone? Does someone have someone special for me? What if the healing never comes? What if I fail? What if this big thing that I want, that my dream, it doesn't happen? I put all of this into, and it somewhere, way into my paper with my postdoc, it all goes south, and it never happens. Scott published two papers. Woo! <laughs> Favor. But on this side of that, what's happening in our lives? So the British government has discovered what to do in this situation. They say, be calm and carry on. That actually was their theme during World War II. As bombs were being dropped on London. Be calm and carry on. So in the middle of whatever is going on in your life, the Holy Spirit is saying, don't be afraid. It's not because these are not real fears. saying, because I'm going to be with you in this. Now, what is the opposite of fear? Aggressiveness, right? <laughs> I believe the opposite of fear is faith. So fear, if we give full energy to that and full confidence in it, is that the will of the devil will happen. The absolute worst thing we can imagine will happen. That's called fear. Faith is confidence in things hoped for, evidence of things you've not yet seen. It is believing that what is good in the Word of God is reality for you and will be reality for you. <clears throat> it's Believing and acting on God's Word. It's, it's living with a confidence that His will is reality. And you can put your full weight on that. Faith is the opposite of an independent, all-set attitude. I'm all good. Faith is 
I'm not alone. And he who has the very best for me is with me. So God is with us. Everything that he spoke to Mary, he's spoken to us. It's not like Mark's just taking this whole thing about Mary and twisting it way out over here somewhere, getting a promise for us. Isaiah 41 says, do not be afraid. Fear not, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. You need to hear this. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Matthew 28, 20. It ends. This whole thing, before Jesus goes to heaven, before he ascends, he's saying, I'm with you. I'll always be with you. Now, we don't see this with our eyes, right? But he's here. There's nowhere that he's not. Romans chapter 10 says, if we ascend to heaven or descend to hell, he is there. He is omnipresent. But he is even more present in places where he is worshipped. He is even more present where the heart of Mary is seen. Submission, worship, humility is a magnet for the presence of God. It draws heaven down to earth. Gets him involved in your situation. That submission, do whatever you want, Lord. It's like, mm, focus, release of my power. <coughs> so why is it important to know that God's with us? I believe it's important so that you don't live a hypocritical life. You need to know God is with you when you're gathered here and getting any sort of a supportive emotional environment and when you're at your work situation or school or living situation and it is totally anti-Christian. You need to know God is with you. And sometimes there's an integrity in that, right? Wow, I can't act one way in this situation than I do when I'm surrounded by believers because God is with me. He's with you when you're in arguments. He's with you. He didn't leave just because you did something embarrassing or sinful. He's still there. He's with you when no one's looking. So do not compartmentalize the presence of God. Okay? He's with me now. You need to build your muscles all through the day. The, the basic med- meditation, thank you, Lord, you're with me. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on a sinner like me. And that's just, I'm not, I believe in a righteousness consciousness, but I'm talking about walking in humility and recognizing God is present. Now, I want to say one other thing that he says to Mary that he says to you. He says, you're upgrading. No more water, you're getting Starbucks. You are favored. You get to go to the front of the line at Disney World. Now, we, we cringe at that a little bit, right? Oh, no. I'm not favored like privileged, special. I'm not better than anyone else. 
I don't get special treatment. Well, I got good news and bad news. You get special treatment. Why? It's just like Abraham. God blessed Abraham so that he could bless other people. You are favored so that God can release his favor on your street. You are favored so that your company can prosper and develop new genetic things that have never existed before. You are favored because when you call downtown in Boston or wherever and say, my street's a total disaster, the next day they come and repair it and everybody on your street is blessed. You are favored. He blesses you so that you can bless others. Can you, can you get a hold of that a little bit? Will you open up a little bit to that right now? Instead of being, oh, no, 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 not me. You are favored. You are favored. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus said, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you want to see miracles happen? Get some favor on you. Open up and say, more favor, Lord. This is the year of the Lord's favor. It's When Jesus is talking, he wasn't talking about, you know, 33, 31 A.D. He said, I am ushering in favor from God. It's being revealed in the earth. I'm giving this out. I'm pouring this out. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I help you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now, if you had a superpower called favor, what would that look like? Yeah, I mean, there's times where you get to go to the front of the line. But you would get your prayers answered if you were favored. You would pray for sick people and they were, they'd be healed if you're favored. You'd, you'd see demonic forces run away. Places where everything's covered in fear, everything's covered in confusion, everything's covered in in a disaster, and you come into the situation, and peace comes in. That's favor. In fact, Jesus said, I'll do whatever you ask in my name, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So he's asking another place that we see, he asks according to his will, So these are not just people asking random things. They're looking for the will of God and asking for that to penetrate this world. He says, yes, I'm answering those prayers. What does favor look like? It looks like grace. The empowering presence of God. It looks like you wanting and believing to be free from sin, and it happening. Stepping out in obedience to God, and the power of God meeting you to do what is noble and true and righteous and pure, and 
and honoring to God. Grace of God comes. That's favor. It means coming to, going to other countries where people are oppressed and bringing the presence of God so that people can be set free. Is that good stuff? Somebody start shouting right now. I mean, I'm saying, I think I'm saying really good things. This is an impressive day for this preacher. He's really getting saying Somebody, Mark's really preaching today. Wow, it's awesome. Can the worship team come up right now? I want you to receive God's favor so that your neighbors can receive his favor. You know, I walk, I don't know about you, but I, there's times when I walk around and my heart is just like, ah, broken. Listening to news, just, it's, it's on an international level, it's on a national level, it's on a statewide level, it's on a local level, it's in your neighborhood. We got bad news around us. Will you stand up right now? I'm going to... I, I want you to engage in this way. There's a couple of specific things. I'm going to ask some of our prayer teams to come forward. If you have fear, I want you to come to Jesus this morning. If there's a place where you're saying, I have real fears right now, and I need to connect my situation with the presence of God in a substantial way. I want to take where I'm at that's real. It's not your imagination. There's real things going on, and I need to bring Jesus into that situation. I want to invite you up to pray with these guys. And you can, you can come up for prayer about anything this morning. You can say, I, you know, I'm breaking the rules. I've got something totally different from what Marcus said, I, but I'm getting prayer. Okay? So... Come on up and receive prayer. You don't have to wait for me to even finish what I'm saying right now. You just run forward. Grab a hold of these guys and say, pray with me. Lord, be present in our situation. Reveal yourself to me, Jesus. That's what we're asking, every one of you. Reveal yourself to me, Jesus. I'm not alone. If you're feeling alone, if you're feeling afraid, favored one, the Lord is with you. Favored one, the Lord is with you. He's with you. Thank you, Lord. God's with you. For all of us here, let's act like Mary right now, okay? You want God's attention? Be it done to me according to your will, O Lord. Whatever you want, God. Whatever is in your heart, do it in me and through me. Lord, I need and I thank you for your favor. Do it in my life. I'm asking for your grace to be poured out in a fresh way.
encourage you look at the second section of here in Luke chapter 1 if you're looking for some way to respond to God right now open up to Luke chapter 1 and just begin using Mary's words and use that to reflect back to God okay so we're going to worship pray with any of these guys pray with one another and open up your heart to the Lord use Mary's example to respond to him